Welcome, welcome to a long-awaited episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast hosted by Sports Ethos. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, not joined by my co-host, Travis Fuller. You guys have been waiting a while for this. I've had a lot of people reach out asking what is going on with Punt Intended, and so I'm back. Travis will be joining us for the dynasty updates, but I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background. Uh... Travis got a new job. His wife got a new job. They had a third baby. I have a third baby on the way. My job went from working from home to kind of going more into the office. So life has been just as crazy as the NBA has been. And so we are going to be back putting out these podcasts, but not as often as we were before, probably two a month, unless I have a solid reason for doing one that I'm excited about, which happens to be uh, a day like today. It is completely unintentional and ironic that I decided to do a podcast on the day that DeJounte Murray got traded because you guys know my my fandom of him runs very, very deep. But we're not just here to talk about that. We're also here to talk about the 2022 rookie rankings that were recently posted on Sports Ethos for you subscribers. If you would please go check that out, I would greatly appreciate it. I put a lot of work into there going out to 60 prospects. So I know uh, Matt Lawson does a great job with his going out to 100, um, which is just absolutely absurd. Pat on the back to him for sure. Uh, I only did 60. That's the that's what the NBA goes to in the draft. So that's just kind of what we're going to stick at. So first things first, DeJounte Murray traded to the Atlanta Hawks for Danilo Gallinari, three first round picks and the potential for a pick swap. I've heard a lot of different responses to this trade as a whole. I think it's great for both sides. I'm a little bit underwhelmed with the return for the Spurs just in a vacuum, but considering those picks go out to 2025 and 2027, that could get really sketchy with the way that we know the NBA to be so volatile, especially with stars. And for the Atlanta side, like, man, you want to talk about a perfect compliment to Trey Young. DeJounte Murray brings exactly what the Hawks have been looking for for such a long time in a secondary ball handler, elite, elite, elite defender, and somebody who can just take the pressure off Trey Young on both sides of the floor. So, uh, you know, Trey's still going to be hunted in pick and roll in the playoffs, of course. And so DeJounte's off-ball defense is definitely going to be something to watch. But I'm I'm very, very excited about this, this uh, fit for that team. So the fantasy impacts on both sides of this. I think Trey and DeJounte are both going to see a volume reduction as far as ball handling stats and scoring goes. Uh, there's just – I have a hard time believing that they're both going to have about 10 assists a game. But on the other hand, I do think there's going to be an efficiency increase on both of them. Uh, DeJounte is going to be getting probably the easiest shots he's gotten in his career for quite some time. And Trey Young won't be having to control every aspect of the offense because the Hawks will finally have somebody out there who can run an offense, not just be in an offense, if that makes sense. Like no, no disrespect to Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, DeLon Wright, all like Lou Will, all the guys like that. Like DeJounte is just a different breed. He's an all-star last year, even though it was a reserve. Um, 
you guys know how I feel about him. So I'm excited about that. On the Spurs side of things, I know a lot of people talked about Devin Vassell being hyped up. You guys have been listening to Travis and I talk about him for a very, very long time. So we're going to continue talking about him. It's really exciting to see the opportunity that's ahead of him for now. Uh, Josh Primo also going to be in for a huge, huge increase in responsibility. But I really think that Jeremy Sohan and Blake Wesley are going to be getting a lot more opportunity than what normal Spurs rookies would. You know, you don't, you don't trade your best player, your franchise player, the player that you spent so many years developing and, and building up, letting him rehab from injury and then getting him to the point that he was this last season, which was unbelievable. You don't trade him away to, go through the same process of keeping your rookies on a very, very short leash um, when you're going to try to be bad. Like they, that it would be great for them to see exactly what Josh Primo can do with a lot of ball handling reps. It would be like Jeremy Sohan. He doesn't have a shot. He's going to be working on it. He's going to have the ball in his hands. Keldon Johnson, who the heck knows what he's going to be looking like this year. I mean, the, the Spurs just have so many intriguing, like, not role players. That sounds disingenuous because they're, they're so early in their career. We don't really know what they're going to be, but they have so many like secondary pieces that are going to be put in a role that's bigger than that, that it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I'm sure it's going to result in a lot of lost games, which is kind of the point of making a move like this. And so uh, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see what both of those teams look like heading into next year in a very competitive East and a very competitive West. Both those teams decided to go opposite directions and take advantage of that and move in ways that are pretty exciting for this upcoming year. So Let's move on to the 2022 rookie rankings. If you guys are not subscribed to Fantasy NBA Today over with Dan Bespris, uh, you probably didn't hear me talk about these guys because I was on there a little bit last week and talked about my rookie thoughts on guys, but mostly from a redraft perspective. I threw some dynasty stuff in there because of course I would, I can't help it. But considering Dan's podcast is a redraft one, I kind of tried to stay in that lens. And at that point, my rookie rankings hadn't been posted yet. So nobody even knew uh, the background for where I was coming from, but now they are posted. And so now we're going to talk about them. The top is pretty easy uh it's the top five of the draft that happened in real life just with a slightly different order so it's it's pretty obvious and and matt lawson once again had a couple polls going on twitter that were pretty enlightening as far as comparing chet holmgren's value to players around the league like jaron jackson jr anthony davis deandre ayton like guys like that and chet was probably ahead in almost all of them. And so without a doubt, he is my number one fantasy rookie because his blocks, I think, aren't going to be to the level that they were in college. Obviously, neither is the competition, but he's just going to be such a versatile player on both ends that doesn't require usage to have a very impactful fantasy game. And you guys know this about me. You know I'm big on that, where what are you doing when the shot isn't falling? And Chet is going to be an elite rim protector. He's going to be able to space the floor. He doesn't need to have the ball in a certain spot on the floor to score. And he he's probably going to facilitate more than what he did in college. I'm 
I'm interested to see what responsibility he's tasked with next to Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy and all of the players that they brought in. Uh, the Jalen Williams is is is. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they did, but they didn't draft him number two overall to not put as much responsibility on his shoulders as possible and see what happens. So I'm excited to see that Paolo Bancaro uh, is my number one player of the draft in real life, but the number two player in the fantasy rankings, just because I don't know if he's going to have the defensive stats that usually are required to be an elite, elite fantasy player. This is more of a bet about how good I think Paolo will be as a real life player. I think he had the best star potential of the draft class simply because you do not see guys that big with that much of an offensive package with the tools to be good defensively and and not see that work out right like it's it's very rare that a player with that combination of skills doesn't turn into an impactful player he may not be a superstar so this this fantasy ranking might come back and bite me because if he he could just turn into a Julius Randall type which is an unfair comp I don't like that very much I think Paolo is a, a much better passer I think he has more of a scoring package um, than Julius Randall did and I think we can all agree that last year was pretty pretty much an outlier for Randall so uh, Paolo number two on the board pretty easily so next is Jabari Smith I think this is perfect for Jabari Smith going to Houston I didn't love him in Orlando. I thought it would have been great for the rest of the Orlando Magic because his shooting was desperately needed and his defensive versatility next to Franz Wagner, Marco Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Wendell Carter Jr. was going to be awesome. But him going to Houston where he can play off of Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun and Kevin Porter Jr. and all of these other guys who like to have the ball in their hands and can bend defenses and make people – pay attention to them. Jabari is just going to be able to take advantage of that. And I think it's going to be perfect. Uh, and he brings some, some great defensive versatility to Alperin Shingun, who uh, the Rockets desperately, desperately needed some defense. So really excited about that for my number three prospect in my rookie rankings. Number four, Jaden Ivy. Um, Ivy would have been number two on my big board for the real life, because I think he's a, star in the making like i put out on twitter not that long ago i put out two college player stats that were very very similar one of them was Jaden ivy the other one was anthony edwards coming out of college now there is a two-year difference so that's not a great comp but ivy going to detroit playing next to cade and detroit somehow going up and getting jalen duran like that is just going to be an awesome 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 combination for a very very long time and i i think ivy and Cade are going to complement each, each other so well that, you know, it, it's, it's going to lead to some fantasy production. I'm not sure Ivy will be great right off the bat just because we know that efficiency is so important to being a good nine cap player, but the opportunity is going to be there. I think Detroit is going to take one more year with the way they've been using their cap space lately, just taking on bad contracts for assets kind of makes it seem like they're going to take at least one more year. And so they will have, a decent runway for Ivy to be going through those growing pains that we know young guards typically go through. Uh, his, his teammate, Cade Cunningham is kind of the exception. And even he went through some growing pains early, even if some of that might've been attributed to injury. So Ivy number four, 
Keegan Murray. I, I really liked Keegan Murray. I don't know if it, we'll see if Sacramento was right taking him number four over Ivy because the fit concern was real. Keegan Murray does provide Sacramento with a lot of things that they don't really have. It kind of makes Harris Barnes expendable. You know, you can just shift the roster around a little bit. And to be honest, the Kings are going to get clowned no matter what, because if they were going to take another, 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 another guard in Jaden Ivey and it didn't work out, then it would be LOL Kings. But now taking Keegan Murray fourth, Jaden Ivey's probably going to be a superstar. Keegan Murray's going to be a great NBA player. He's going to be a great real life player, probably not a star, but so then they're still going to get LOL Kings. So I think this was a sensible decision. And I think Keegan Murray's fantasy game is going to be pretty fantastic. Um, the, I originally had him four ahead of Ivy, but I, I had to drop him back just because I think Ivy in that situation is going to get opportunity. And Murray in the situation he's in is going to get opportunity as well. But I don't think he has the star upside um, I think Keegan Murray has more of like the Tobias Harris sort of fantasy game where he's just going to be solid all the way across the board. He's going to have good percentages. He's going to have good threes. He's going to have good points, rebounds, some decent assists sprinkled in there. He's going to have a, a steal, maybe a block. So he's going to be a perennial top 50, top 40 fantasy player, which is very, very good. Um, but I, I don't know if he will have the opportunity to get up higher than that unless, you know, he really comes in and, and kind of takes the reins away from De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, or he can produce some elite defensive stats. So next, uh, that's my top five. We're going to go six through 10, kind of rapid fire. Jalen Durian's my number six. He jumped up quite a bit for me. Dyson Daniels, number seven, going to the Pelicans. Mark Williams, number eight, going to Charlotte. Jeremy Sohan going to the Spurs. And then my guy, Benedict Matherin, at 10 for the Indiana Pacers. So all of these guys went to situations that are drastically helping their rookie rankings, in my opinion. Like Duran going to Detroit, he's the best center prospect on that roster. I It doesn't matter what else to say there. He's the best center prospect. Very young, might not be super great early if Dwayne Casey doesn't let him make mistakes, which can be good. That accountability is obviously good. So uh, we'll see about that early, but I think Duran's going to be absolutely fantastic on that team. Dyson Daniels is just another good basketball player. You know, like he's going to do a lot of things next to Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum and Zion, hopefully that he's just a great, great connecting piece. And he's got a Alonzo ball type skill set when it comes to fantasy production. That is just something that, again, what are you doing when your shot's not going? And Dyson Daniels is going to be rebounding. He's going to be passing. He's going to be defending at a very, very high level. And so I'm excited to see what that looks like. Mark Williams going to Charlotte. Charlotte, big man. We knew it was coming. We just didn't know which one it was going to be. Uh, Charlotte decided to take assets and Mark Williams over Jalen Duran, which we'll see how that goes. But, you know, Mark Williams, he's going to have a lot of opportunity. But I'm, I would say... Kai Jones was said to have the same thing last year, and that did not work out at all. So new coach coming in there, it'll, it'll be interesting to see 
what Charlotte looks like in a month or so. You know, we're recording this the night before free agency. And so tomorrow it's going to be absolute chaos or today when you guys are listening to this, hopefully it's going to be chaos. So we'll, we'll see what Charlotte's going to be, but I'm very high on Mark Williams simply because that opportunity, there is nobody in that center room that's really going to contest him in a serious way, unless Kai Jones really, really developed this summer and the, and the Hornets uh, are going to bring Mark Williams along slowly, which wouldn't make a bunch of sense to me. Number nine, Jeremy Sohan. I love this guy. If I could, I would have him like sixth, but the shot just isn't there. I think he could get up to that. Like I, I genuinely think that Sohan can be a top like 50 fantasy option in the way that Draymond Green was, where it's like you're not getting very good points. You're not getting very good threes you're like your percentages are meh but those rebounds and assists and steals and blocks and his on-court impact is what just makes me so excited for Sohan because he's a guy that I don't think you can afford to not have on the floor to close games if you're trying to win and that's just very very important we know that availability and role is just as important to a fantasy outlook as anything and that leads me to number 10 Benedict Matherin this dude is gonna be he is just an absolute firework of passion and energy and talent and athleticism. And he's going to the Pacers where they don't have hardly any of that stuff. And he's going to be a great, great fit with Tyrese Halliburton. I would not be surprised if Benedict Matherin comes in and starts immediately. Chris Duarte is to the bench or maybe even at the three, if the Pacers don't bring in another wing, because of course they wouldn't, but I'm very excited for Matherin. His fantasy game might be a little bit lacking early as well because of that efficiency, but you know that's just kind of how it goes. I'm excited for what Matherin is going to be, and that's why I have him in my top 10. Moving on, these next couple players, it, this middle is, is kind of hard to parse through because you're getting into kind of either – very high upside where you're hoping they develop something beyond their current fantasy game, or you're going for just like the solid stat set all across the board. So 11, Tari Eason, 12, Shaden Sharp, 13, Jake LaRavia, 14, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, 15, Johnny Davis. So those guys all went to situations where I think they're going to play immediately as well. And that's why I have them where I do. So Tari Easton to Houston, defensive wing, love that. That's going to be absolutely fantastic. Shaden Sharp to Portland, I he's the one that probably won't play immediately, and I think I have him the lowest of any dynasty rookie ranking that I've seen just because I know that the upside is there. I get it, but the downside, man, like I would just have a very, very hard time taking Shaden Sharp early, and I might miss on that, but I think I would rather miss – on Shaden Sharp's upside, depending on where I'm taking him, then then gamble like that when we really don't know for sure. Like I know uh, Schmitz went over to Portland and went to the scouting department and then they drafted Shaden Sharp at seven. So like that should tell you something and I'm far from a scout. So I'm not going to say I know more than them because I obviously don't. But we've seen a situation before where players just don't really pan out and I'm not even sure what Shaden Sharp's fantasy game is going to be if he doesn't become that superstar where he's just scoring in bunches rather efficiently and getting just volume rebounds assists and probably steals just from athleticism so if he doesn't become that and he's just a solid NBA player that thrives on points and threes like are we that excited about that kind of player I'm 
I struggle with that. So Jake LaRavia is the other side of that where he's just solid all the way across the board. And his, his situation is going to be about how much of a fantasy impact he has in every area. So he's going to do just about everything. The Grizzlies bringing in him and David Roddy and I think one more wing too. Uh, Kennedy Jan, oh, Vince Williams. Yeah. So them bringing in so many wings kind of makes me think that slow-mo is on the way out there, which is fine. I don't really think that's that big of a deal. He had a regress role anyway. So Jake LaRavia could come in and play with Zaire Williams. He could play at the three, the four next to Jaron Jackson. You know, this Memphis team just has a lot of versatility now on the wing and LaRavia is a big, big part of that. So I'm excited about his potential as a fantasy asset. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, his, I probably have him higher than most just because I believe in his ability to impact a game and be good enough to stay on the floor. That might not matter in OKC early because they don't plan to be good, but eventually Jalen Williams' ability to play on and off ball, to be a solid defender, a solid shooter, and and somewhat of a facilitator that can run offense but also keep the ball moving, that is just a very, very well-rounded player that I think is going to have a role for a very long time. And that's, that's kind of important, you know, at, at, at your 14th rookie pick, like, you know, you're in a 30 team league, you're getting into like playoff teams, like you're back into the lottery in a 12 team league. If you're doing a snake draft, which I wouldn't recommend, then I can see a, 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 a team taking Jalen Williams early in the second round of a rookie draft, just because you know, he's going to be solid and maybe you took a swing early and you just want a solid player. So I, I like Jalen Williams and OKC. They've just got a lot of funky players. They're going to be fantastic to watch. So moving on next five, Johnny Davis, 15, Dalen Terry, 16, Ty Ty Washington, 17, AJ Griffin, 18, Usman Jiang, 19 and Nicole Jovich, 20. These guys are kind of going to be all over the place. Dalen Terry, I think, is going to play. Ty Ty Washington should play because I think he could be the point guard that Houston Rockets need. AJ Griffin, uh, you know, they just brought in DeJounte. So I don't really know if the Hawks are done right now with the amount of players they have on their roster that they should probably consolidate. Jiang going to OKC, they obviously wanted him bad. And Jovic going to uh, Miami, you know, do we want to bet against Miami's development? Probably not. Uh, and then you guys can, if you're subscribed, feel free to go through the rest of the article. I don't want to go name by name, but a couple others that I think I'm higher on than consensus uh, that I just want to talk about real quick include guys like uh, Jabari Walker going to Portland. I have him 36, which isn't fantastic. Like that's a second round pick in a 30 team, which isn't likely to, to, to stick, but he's six, eight. He's on the Portland trailblazers that we know has a problem with having wings around. I know they have Jeremy Grant. I know Nasir little was good, but he's, he's not a 20 year old yet. He's six, eight. He can shoot well. And Little's coming off an injury. So I would not be surprised at all if Jabari Walker has somewhat of a role. You know, I, it might not be a lot, but at a certain point, you're just looking for guys that have some upside that can play. And that's kind of why the next guy on my list I'm, I'm kind of high on as well is Max Christie to the Lakers. I have him 37th. 
any young player on the Lakers that has any sort of promise should get playing time because we know how depleted the Lakers asset chest is. And that's just going to be very important for them to see kind of what they have in a situation like that. Like he's, he's a decent catch and shoot shooter, but he was asked to do a lot pretty often, probably not what he's going to be in the NBA ever. If it, it may be later on in his career, but definitely not immediately. So He's a pretty decent defender, pretty small, like weight wise. He's, he's kind of thin. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Uh, another guy that I like who is, he might not even make the roster, but is Dominique Barlow for the Spurs. He signed a two way after the draft, not even drafted. He's coming from the overtime elite, but man, I just like the way that he impacted the game in the, in the G league for the overtime elite. Like he had, he has some one, one, one potential with some good percentages and the Spurs are going to tank. Like that's a guy who was playing quote unquote professional basketball last year. He's 19 years old. He just turned 19. So you should probably give him a chance for a team that doesn't really have that many wings either. Like they've got Blake Wesley. They've got the cell, those are kind of guards that can play the three, but probably shouldn't. You've got Keldon Johnson, big body, but Dominic Polo is like 6'10". So like, let's, let's make that just a, a clear distinction that he's an actual wing. He's not a guard playing the wing or an undersized power forward. Barlow is legit. So I'm excited about him. The next guy is Kendall Brown, number 44. Of course, I'm going to talk about another pacer, 19 years old, extremely, extremely raw big athlete is going to score primarily off of cutting and he's probably not even going to play for the Pacers immediately unless Pacers free agency goes the absolute wrong direction in my opinion and they bring no wings in then Kendall Brown and O'Shea Brissett are two of the only wings on the roster so in that case Kendall Brown would play but I'm just so intrigued by his physical tools this is kind of, this has shades of the Isaiah Jackson pick last year. The Pacers taking some some solid guys up top. I think Matherin has a great ceiling at six, but then taking Andrew Nemhard at 31, just a solid player, probably going to be a backup point guard for the Pacers for a while. And then taking an absolute swing with Kendall Brown late in the second round, I guess mid-second round. They traded up to get him. So I'm intrigued by his tools. I think he's a guy that is worth betting on, even if the fantasy stat set is kind of rough right now, just because he doesn't do that much, uh, which is not a good selling point. I realize that, but look at the Pacers wing room and tell me that he's not somebody you want to roster for the next couple of years. Last and certainly not least is a guy that, I know my, my guy, Will is Bill, uh, over on the All Rookie Podcast over on Sports Ethos. Loves this guy, and I'm kind of in on him, too, after looking into it a little bit more. But I only have him 56, and that's Jordan Hall. So he's a jumbo point guard. He's 6'7", so he's kind of a small forward, but he has some passing chops and some vision. And I have in my notes, I said a jumbo point guard for a team that has a lot of guards but with DeJounte Murray potentially on the way out, his fantasy potential is worth monitoring if he can prove he belongs this summer. The Spurs right now, they have Trey Jones, and apparently some people think that they want Tyus Jones, and so their guard room is kind of full, like I said, with Wesley and Vassell and Primo and all that. But Jordan Hall being 6'7", that's an interesting, interesting player. Uh, 
again, he may not stick in the roster, but when you get to the back half of a 30 team rookie draft, you're just looking for guys that have good stat sets and just hoping that they hit. And this is definitely one of those guys. So Jordan Hall, number 56, I might move him up a little bit as I see some summer league gains. Like if he starts putting up some stats, he's going to, he's going to climb up the board quite a bit, just because like I said, that fantasy stat set is very, very real. So if you guys have any players that you are curious about where I have them ranked, where they fell, uh, please let me know on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer. If you disagree with some of my rankings or some of my uh, justifications for those rankings, please let me know. I am quite active on Twitter. I'll respond to DMs, comments. I'm always interested to hear what you guys think. And to be honest, like prospect evaluation is one of my favorite things just because everybody looks at it with a different lens. And so I'm always fascinated to see, to, to hear what other people have to say in that regard. So uh, I really appreciate you guys hanging in there. Like I said, I know it's been a while since we've been back on here, posted some stuff over at sports ethos on the written side of things. The dynasty rankings update will be coming out here in a week or so once the dust from free agency settles and everybody's, eyes uncross from free agency and everybody gets their F5 buttons replaced from, from waiting on those shims and Woj notifications. So stay tuned for that. If you don't mind, please go over to uh, Spotify, Google podcasts, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, give us a five-star review, give us a rating. So that way we can get this podcast back on track like it was when we were going so strong because of you guys a couple months ago so i like i said i appreciate you guys hanging in there we will talk to you soon Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.